It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. And uh, what an incredible morning, what an incredible time. Uh, do continue to pray that winter will pass fast and uh, because we do need to get a lot of work done and uh, we can't do any of it right now. And so you can imagine how stir-crazy I am and I'm, I'm about to lose my mind. Um, but it's all good. God has perfect timing. My wife reminds me of that all the time. And, uh, and she has to these days. She just constantly just kind of keeps that pumped in me. So if you see me, just point at me every now and then. Just say, it's going to be all right, Pastor. We're going to get it. Just remind me because, because just like you, I have to deal with the frustrations of life and everything. And every time I look at the weather report, what's it going to do? Well, two days rain, two days rain, two days snow. And I said, that's not what I want to see. So it, it's just uh, part of the process. This morning, I want to... Uh, preach on valentines uh i know people's always like pastor you know he doesn't do the the normal uh, uh you know holiday stuff and and preach on christmas or whatever days a lot of times i try to and i try to bring those in and even today i'm going to try to uh i'm probably not going to do a great job but i'm going to try to preach on valentines the understanding of it and in fact i've entitled this today every day is valentines look at that person beside you and say Every day is Valentine's. Now, for some of you guys, that scared you because you're thinking, I can't afford that many flowers. I can't afford uh, that, that much chocolate. My wife doesn't need that much chocolate, and so neither do I. And so, so it, it, every day is Valentine's Day. That, well, first off, we need to realize what Valentine's is. If, if you were to guess... What is Valentine's? Where did Valentine's Day start? Where, where did it begin? I mean, it had to be a, a holiday where we celebrate love and we celebrate, I mean, that's, that's a cool thing that in America we've created this holiday that celebrates love and unity and, and all of that and a love for our mates, our girlfriend. Well, in fact, it did not start that way. In fact, what it really is is Valentine's Day, which is also called, i know, probably never heard this, St. Valentine's Day. In fact, it's really not about love at all. It's to celebrate annually on February 14th. It's originally a Roman Catholic feast day honoring one of two early Christian martyrs. That's what it is. It's, it's a celebration of two men whose name was Valentine, St. Valentine, they died for the gospel. And they decided to create a Roman Catholic holiday over these two martyrs, and through uh, later folk traditions has become significant culture. Uh, in fact, where we get Valentine's in that is because Sometimes when they would write letters, history says, is that when he would write a letter, he would say, Love, Valentine. Love, Valentine. And so these, these men, there are numbers of, of martyrdom stories associated with it. And so we celebrate it on February 14th. Why February 14th? Because as culture came along, when do birds uh, start to mate? So you hear the phrase many times, well, y'all just a couple of lovebirds. You ever hear that phrase? Maybe nobody's ever said it to you. Look over at your husband or wife, so you need to say that to me more often. 
We're just a couple of lovebirds. Well, what is that? Well, in the early spring, in February, March, in that time, the birds start to come out. If you start to notice it in my house, they start trying to build nests under all of my awnings and stuff, and I have to destroy their love nests. The mud pies that they make over on the side. See, it's really not about anything that we try to make it. It's really about what God tried to make it. It's the story of these men who, who did this, and so we created festivals, and we created all this about lovebirds and, and, and courtly love and, and, and all of these different times that we have. St. Valentine's Day is not even a public holiday in any country, although it is an official feast day of the Anglican community. The Anglican church is the only one that really considers it any of a national holiday at all. Why are you saying all this? Because if you want to go back to what Valentine really is, and what we're really trying to do is to create love, and we do that through gifts. We give gifts to show our love, and we give gifts to show our, our care, and we show gifts. So when we come to church on Sunday, what is God doing to show love? Because if we come to church every Sunday, if, if every day God says, my mercies and my love and my grace and all this is new every single day, it's all wonderful, it's all great. So what is God doing every day to give us gifts? If God give us flowers every day, if God gave us a box of chocolates every day, if God said, I loved you every day, what would it look like? What would it look like? What would God be doing to say, I love you? Well, I, that's a good question. Well, let's look at it this morning. Since I've got you kind of intrigued, I messed you up, and some of you are like depressed because of Valentine's Day now. You mean it's about two, three people that got killed? Yes, that was Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. You bunch of lovebirds. Go with me to John 7, verse 37 through 41. So if God is trying to say, I want to love you and show you love, listen to what he says. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So how often do you drink a day? every day. And so Jesus is trying to describe and give you an illustration of the love that God has and wants to show in your life. He doesn't say that God's going to give you a cup of something. He says, I'm going to give you a flowing river of something that's going to be continual and will not stop. It's something that every day, every moment is a gift that I'm giving to you. And Jesus stands up and says, listen, in the last days, in these days, I am going to give you a gift and it's going to be a gift that flows continually. It is a gift that, listen, as the scripture says, it will flow out of your heart. Listen to what the next verse says. But this he spoke concerning the, the spirit. 
whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is a prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? And the Bible says there was much division among them. There was a lot of contention. And some says he's, he is, and some says he wasn't. And, 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 and Jesus would go around and do miracles. The next part we hear, Jesus does more miracles. And the ones that don't believe in him says, oh, he does it with the power of the devil. And, 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 and so it becomes a mindset constantly of all these different things that are going on. But what is happening is Jesus is looking at them and saying, my father is wanting to give you something to let you know how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. And he cries out in the day of the great feast and he says, listen to me, everybody who comes to me, I'm going to give you something, a gift, and it's going to be flowing out of you like living waters. And this gift is the Holy Spirit. This gift is the Holy Spirit in your life. Not just a cup, not just something that's there, but something that flows. Now, that seems strange to us in, in our day and time because, because we have so much controversy over the Spirit. Just like gifts, really. You know, you get somebody flowers. Oh, it's just a waste of money. they dead in a few days. You get somebody chocolates. You know you don't need that. We buy clothes. We buy this. We, jewelry or something. Why they spend so much on Valentine? They must be trying to make up for something. Why? Because, because even when you talk about somebody giving you something, it creates controversy around everybody else that's around. If, if I was to go tomorrow and, and, and buy my wife a, a, a brand new Porsche, because I'll say Porsche because that's what she likes. She's always reminding me, which she'll never get, but it's always good to remind me. Oh, I like the Porsches. I'm like, yeah. yeah. But, but why is that? If I went and did that tomorrow, if I just said, you know what, I love her so much, I'm going to sell some of the stuff I got. I'm, I'm gonna, I want her to have that. I mean, you only live once, and I want her to enjoy it. And she drove up to church in it next week. And I said, hey, let's go outside and pray for Elise's Porsche that please don't let nothing happen to it because I can't afford to fix it. There would be some people that walk outside, it's like, oh, that is so awesome. There would be some people that's like, them darn preachers, man, that's all they do, they make money, 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 money. There'd be some people say, you should have bought her a full, why do you want to spend all that much? It's a waste of money. It wouldn't matter what I did or didn't do or whatever, there's always going to be controversy when one person shows love to another. Whatever you do, somebody's going to say, why did you do that? We, we, we sent Valentines to our kids. And, and in that, you're like, it's always, it's always a controversy. Why? Because anytime you express love, you're doing it because you, in your own way, are trying to say, this is the very best I can give you. And so there's controversy even when God does it. 
God looks and says, I want to give you my best. I want to give you the Porsche. That, that. And he looks at them and he cries out and he says, oh, there is coming a day when I am going to give you the gift that the Father has wanted to give you. But he can't have it yet. Because you can't have it until I'm glorified. There's, there's a process that I want to give it to you now, but I can't. I've got to go away first. I've got to leave. And then, of course, they're all mad. We don't want you to go away, but I've got to go away. If I don't go away, I can't send back the Spirit. And the Spirit is the gift that God is wanting you to have more than anything else in the world. He's wanting you to have this. If God could pick one thing to give you and said, I want you to know I love you, he said, I would give you my Spirit. Wow. But until I'm glorified, and I don't understand all that. Jesus has to die. Jesus, in, in, the, in the spiritual realm, Jesus has to go up to the throne. He has to give his blood and pour it upon the mercy seat. He has to sit on the right hand of the Father. He has to finish his work. And he has to say, now I have been given all power, and now I can send you the Spirit. In fact, he tells them before he leaves, he says, you tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the Spirit. Wait for the gift. Don't go anywhere. Just wait until I give this to you. Don't go preaching. Don't go to just wait for the Spirit. Why is there so much controversy? Why? Well, because go with me to Acts 19, 1 through 7. There, there are stories throughout Acts and other areas, and, and, and they're, they're different, all different, and they're unique, and they're strange, and, they're, and it causes us problems. Listen to what happens. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth. This is Paul who's preaching the country, who's taking the message of God, and he's preaching and traveling. And listen, as it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said unto them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's his question. He finds some disciples, he starts the conversation, and his first question to them is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Since it's God's great gift and God wants you to have it, I imagine Paul thought it was pretty important. And so Paul says this, and so they say to him, we have not so much as even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What? And he said to them, then into what were you baptized? So they said unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that he should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and... Now, the men were about 12 in all. Look at the person beside you and say... That's a weird story. It's just a weird story. I'd like to tell you that, that every time in the Old Testament or the New Testament when the Spirit of God came on people, the Spirit of God moved, or they received the baptism, whatever it was, that it was always the same way. There's some similarities, but it's different. Cornelius, Peter's preaching in Cornelius' house, and he just starts preaching about God and preaching about this, and all of a sudden the Bible says the Spirit just fell on the whole place. 
That's what I wish a lot of times when I'm preaching because it's like, look, half these people don't believe this, Lord. Half these people don't even know what to Just while I'm preaching, just let it boom. Wouldn't that be just so simple? Then nobody would come back and say, I don't know. I I don't know what I felt. I felt something. It'd just be boom. I love the Cornelius house. I mean, it's just like the Bible says, they all were filled. They all started. They all began to pray. Peter's just standing there like, I guess I'm through. And here's Paul who comes across a group of guys and he asked them, have you received? And they said, we ain't even heard of this thing. What is, the, what is this Holy Spirit? Well, then what were you baptized into? Well, we were baptized in John's baptism, the repentance and, and forgiveness of sins. And oh, and he explains to them, Jesus. And they're baptized in Jesus. And when they come out, they aren't just boom. The Bible says he begins to lay his hands on each of them. And as he lays his hands on them, then they begin. The power of God falls on them. And all throughout the Bible, there's these unique stories. There's these unique moments. And they're different, but yet the same spirit. Go with me to Acts 2, Acts 2, verse 37 through 41. I'll show you it to you. Acts 2. This is when Peter is preaching the very first message. And, he, and he's, he's, he's preaching to these thousands of people that are standing there. Throughout the area, he's going he's gonna to preach not only to this group, but, but walk around and preach even more throughout the whole rest of the day. I know a lot of times we think that he just preaches one time. But I'll show you that he, he, he preaches more than just one time. He, he, he goes around and starts. But here's what happens. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we need to do? We've heard your message about Jesus. We believe in Jesus. What do we need to do? Here's what Peter says. And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive then the gift of what? Oh. And throughout the Bible, this is what it's called. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. It is the gift of God. It is God's gift into my life, continually giving into my life, every day giving into my life. It's not a one-time thing. It is a continual thing. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, this is different. Listen to what the next verse says. Then those who gladly received, verse 41, then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls were added to them. It doesn't say that, that there's this powerful boom. It doesn't say that, 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 that all of them spoke in a certain language or all of them did a certain thing. or all. Of, it just says it's a gift. And if you get baptized and you believe in Jesus, the gift is yours. It's a free gift. It's, it's anytime, anywhere. It's your gift. And it's the gift that God wants you to have every day. It's Valentine's Day every day of your life. I'm giving you the best I have every single day. We don't see it that way most of the time. But Peter did. Peter understood. What do we need to do? Well, you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. 
And that's, that's odd because we find that in Matthew, we'll be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so it's, it's all, all, of this, all of this stuff is all confusing. Look at the person beside you and say, it's all confusing. I know it's going to sound strange to you, but there are many theological seminaries. And most all of them do not teach the same thing. Using the same Bible, reading the same scriptures, coming up with totally different theologies. And I've been in this thing for 40-something years. And I'm going to give you some insight. I hadn't figured it all out either. It don't always happen the same way. It don't always work the same way. It doesn't always go the same way. I lay hands on one person. This happens. One person goes flopping in the floor. One person falls out. One person just stands there and just, just. I'd like to tell you I have an answer so that we can just put it in a box and we'd say we all got it figured out. I don't know why Elise doesn't worship like I worship. I don't know why she doesn't feel in the way I feel or acts, reacts in her. I, I don't know. And it makes it difficult because then it becomes more of a, a, a mindset of, well, let's just put us all together who are alike. If, if all of us, none of us like to move, right? If we don't like moving, we, we don't like any type of motion, then we're going to create our church where there's no motion. And then you got the other group, man, I can't sit still, I'm ADD, I got all this, and God made me this way. Let's put all them in a church where they can just act wild. And the worst thing you can about do is put them all in the different, same church together, because then one group has to look at the other one like, well, you got this, or you're dead, it's cracker, and you, you're a fruitcake, you, you just, you got, and, 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 it's, and it's all this living inside. And God says, just the way I want it. What? Just like Acts, it doesn't happen the same way. It doesn't go the same way. He doesn't react upon the different people. He doesn't move the same way. It doesn't go. In fact, we use all these different sayings. Let me, let me see if, just if I can give it to you in this way. We have phrases called the baptism of the Spirit. We have what we call filling of the Spirit. There is the Spirit coming on you. There is the anointing of the Spirit. There is... At conversion, the Spirit of God being in you. There is the Spirit falling on you. And there is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand all those? You got them all figured out, lined up? Well, I'm, I wish you'd talk to me because I haven't. The good news is, is that I'm not supposed to. Whereas one person love is flowers and another person is candy and another person is jewelry and another person. The Spirit gives and moves upon people and shows love to them and reacts on them as God sees fit. And the hardest thing that we have in our lives is to not look at one person who reacts one way and think that, well, they don't have what I have. They didn't get what I get. Because I grew up in, 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 in that mindset of church where there's classes of levels you mean you you did you didn't have it until you got this 
I mean, we used to pray for that kind of stuff. It, it'd be like if you were saved, you were like, you just, you know, you just scarcely getting through. You need the spirit. And then when you had the spirit, then you wanted it like so-and-so, because man, so-and-so, man, they they tongues and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Boy, I, we used to just sit there and just close our eyes, like, just give it to me. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. And I know you had never done this, but I'm talking about when I was growing up. Give me a tongue, God. Let me just. Let me understand what he's saying. He's all I hear is blah, 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 blah. Give it to me. No. Why, why is all that? Because listen to me very carefully. It's important because each one of you in this room has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just like in Jesus' time when he says, I want to give you the Spirit, immediately there's confusion. In Paul's time, immediately confusion. He had to write to Ephesus. He had to write to Galatians. Lord, he had to correct the Corinthian church because, man, they were, just, they were just getting after it and having a great time with all the Spirit and, and, and making everybody in town think they had lost their minds. All of them having the Spirit, all of them moving. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans 8. So let's, let's get this gift figured out a little bit and, and how it operates and, and what we need to know. Because you can spend the rest of your life trying to debate someone about tongues, no tongues, this, that, whether you ought to be charismatic or just sit still and be reverent. or You can get into all of that. And you can spend the rest of your life missing what it's really about. It's just a gift. It's just a gift. And here's what the Bible says first that we need to understand. But you are not in the flesh, but in the... Well, look at the person beside you and say, are you in the Spirit? Go ahead now. Are you in the Spirit? Go ahead and make them talk to you now. Just don't... No. Are you in the Spirit? Caitlin, are you in the Spirit? She's like, I don't know. Well, let's find out. Here's what it says. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Keep reading. But if the Spirit, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His his Spirit who dwells where? In you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if we, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the... From the moment I'm saved, from the moment I receive the Spirit, I don't get any more of Him. I know we call it baptism. I know we call it being sanctified, we call it different levels, he fell on us. Listen, the Spirit of God is, is just here. It's not so much 
that I get more of the Spirit of God. It's a mindset that the Spirit of God gets more of me. See, you're thinking of it from a different wrong perspective. I grew up thinking that way. I need more of the Spirit. I need more power. I need more of God. I need more. And, and, and so I was always wanting more. I'm, I'm wanting more. I want God to move. I want to feel more. And God is saying, I am already in you. I'm already with you. I'm all, it's not that you need more of me, Tim. It's that I need you to release more of you to me. Understand, Tim, from the moment you're saved, go back and let's read that again. And let's see it from that perspective. That God, we do not need more of God, but God needs more of us. Listen to how he says this. But you are not in the flesh, but in the... So if I'm here this morning and I'm saying, all right, I, I, I want a greater experience. I want more of the gift. I want, then what has to happen? Then I have to decide I am no longer living my life after flesh, but I'm living my life after spirit. I am living a spiritual life, not a physical life. So everything that's important to me has to be spiritual and not physical. Where I'm going, listen to what he says. For if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he is not his. You, you can't say that I'm saved. You can't say that I know God. You can't say, I believe in God because the Spirit of God is the seal that you know and are part of the family of God. So if somebody says, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure, but a lot I'm saved. I'm, what's my problem? You need to give more of the Spirit you. You need to die to the flesh and decide, just like in the day of Peter, when he preaches, and he said 3,000 were added to the church that day. Why? Because they believed that Jesus died, rose from the dead. They were baptized and believed that God had given them the gift of the... God says, that's it. Listen, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells. Notice how he keeps saying that? It's in you. It's already in you. When the moment you got saved, it's in you. My wife, years ago, she, she grew up in a, in a different denomination. We don't teach denomination. We don't get into that because, because none of that junk will help. She, she was saved as I was saved. She believed in God just like I believed in God. Well, what was the difference, Brother Lot? I had already learned through a large process how to give more of myself to God and allow God to use me in different ways and allow God to come up. And so because of it, I had different experiences than she had. But she had the same spirit in her. What she was learning is how to give more of herself to God. And some of the most craziest things now is, is to hear her talk and, and just be able to go. The other night, she, she said, I, I didn't sleep good. I was like, what was wrong? She said, well, God woke me up about 4 o'clock. And I just, I just needed to pray. And I was just like floored. I know I don't mean anything to her, but I remember her when. And, and, and now it's like, God wakes her up. It's time to pray. Why? Because what she's learned is, is that she didn't need more of the Spirit she needed the Spirit to have more possession of her so that he could move on her at different... So that if, if she's at a 
Quick stop. And God says, send this scripture, speak this scripture to someone. She can do it. If God tells her to do it, it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what he's saying here is just like your resurrection one day. It's not that you've got to have more of the Spirit. you just got to know the Spirit's got you. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you from the dead. If He dwells in you. From the moment you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And learning and growing and moving and whatever other areas God intends are all still gifts of God. From the same Spirit. Listen to what it says. For if we live according to the flesh, verse 13, you will what? You will die. Because you're not living a physical life anymore. You're living a... So let me explain it this way. If you are born of the Spirit and you come to church and then all of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to listen to the Spirit anymore. I'm going to, in my flesh, learn how to dress, how to act, how to talk, how to walk, how to do this whole religious thing. Then you know what's going to happen to you sitting in that chair? You will die. Some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet is on Sunday morning. Yeah, some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet. <sighs> Got to go to church. Really? I tell you what, if it was something I'd do, I'd, I think I'd just rather get shot and have to get up and go. Really? What's happening? What it is, I started. Remember Paul wrote a whole book called Galatians on this. You foolish Galatians, you started in the Spirit. Now you think that through your flesh, you can make yourself a better Christian. He says, you started in the Spirit. You started just in love. You started just listening to God and just following God. And it's a relationship with God. And then you turned it into rules and regulations. And now you think if you get circumcised, you're going to be a better Christian than you were yesterday. He says, you're missing it. It's the Spirit that's in you, and it's your ability to listen and follow and trust. For as many as are led by the Spirit, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or daughters of God. Go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Know what God is wanting. People ask this, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, that's the easiest thing you'll ever do. If you give your life to God and you've got the Spirit of God leading you, guiding you, talking to you all the time, you think you're going to have a hard time figuring out what God wants? He may have a hard time wanting to do it, you may have a hard time surrendering because you'll have to die to your flesh to whatever level. If God looks at you and says, I need you to go forgive that person. God, I'm telling you, you don't know what. No, you need to follow the Spirit. Do what the Spirit's telling you to do. And here's what, notice what it says. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation or in excess, but be filled with the this, this word there, listen, what he's trying to give you is an illustration. He's saying, you see people that get drunk? Do they stay drunk? 
You get drunk, you just stay drunk, right? No. Well, your natural body has a, has a way of pumping it out, pushing it out. And so if you're going to be a good drunkard, what do you got to keep doing? You got to be a good drinker. So he looks at him and says, do not be drunk with wine, which is an excess, which is continually doing it. He said, but be filled. That word filled there means to be continually filled. But be continually filled with the Spirit. He said, the same way that a drunkard is filled with wine, this is the way you are to be filled with the Spirit. To continually realize that, whew, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sober again. Whew, I need to get back drunk. Do you understand? That's why praise works. You, you ever see, isn't it amazing how you can be miserable, tired, ill? You come in, Jennifer and all of them tell you to stand. Y'all start worshiping, and it's just like, man, it's good. And then when they get through, people are still just standing. I'm like, well, you can sit down now. I'm all right. I'm good. What's happened? I become drunk on the excess of the Spirit. Oh, let me explain it this way. I'm going to give it to you in a, in a more broad term. We love to go to Passion every year. And, and it's, it's 18, 20-something years old. Every denomination, Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, Assembly of God, all denominations. Well, how does that work? How in the world can you put all those different denominations, all those different kids in the same place? They can't worship the same. Yeah, they can. Because you can put Crowder on the, band, on the floor. You can put all these charismatic praise and worship teams, and they can start praising God and worshiping Hillsong, whoever you put up there, Bethel, whoever you want to put up there. And let me tell you, I don't care if whatever background, whatever denomination, wherever they're from, they're standing all, 50,000 people standing there praising God from all their, you know what, you know what happens? They're becoming drunk on the excess of the Spirit. Because we were told, don't get drunk on wine. Get drunk on the Spirit. Be continually filled. Be continually filled. And when you take on that lifestyle, it's going to change. That's what the next verse says. Then speaking to one another in what? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of... Now, I don't know which one comes first. Sometimes I submit and then the Spirit moves. And then sometimes I need the Spirit to move for me to... Submit. It's a mystery. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like apologizing. You did something wrong. And sometimes it's like, well, I'll apologize when I feel like, okay. And then there's sometimes I need to apologize because until I apologize, I don't feel better. And God says, it works this way. You, when you're singing songs, Paul and Silas are in jail. They don't feel like singing. It doesn't say anything about the Spirit moving in their lives. They just begin to sing and sing hymns and begin to preach and talk and sing. And then the Spirit moves and shakes the whole jail. 
You could have seen Paul as I was like, look, I'll start singing when I start feeling something. No. And then there's times where you feel something and because of it you speak. In our lives, this is the way God operates. Go one more place with me and I want to show you something. Jesus has just began teaching them in this part of the passage, the Lord's Prayer. And he gets to the point of, of, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. And he says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And he stops here. In Luke, this is the way it works. In, in Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, he, he starts the Lord's Prayer. And it's kind of odd here because the, we know the whole prayer, but, he, but in Luke 4, he just stops. When he gets to the point of, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. So, so it's like, well, how are you going to lead me? And Jesus just stops. And I can see Jesus when he's saying, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. What do you mean lead us not? Who's going to lead us? And Jesus just stops. And here's what he says, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in with me in bed. I cannot rise to give you anything. And I say to you, though he will not rise to give him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be open. For everyone who asks does what? And he who seeks what? And to him who knocks, be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks of a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Stop right there. Now, ain't that, I'll tell you, God's good, ain't he? Because, I mean, in this scripture, I've heard it preached a million times, and it, look, God wants to give you good things. God wants you to have good things. God, God, look, which one of you, and he uses the illustration, he said, which one of you has somebody show up at 11 o'clock at your house? They just drove in from out of town, showed up at 11. They said, we hate to bother you, but, whew, you know, we, we need a place to sleep, and, and if you got anything to eat and you're thinking, no, but I, I know my neighbor does. And you go next door and you start beating on your neighbor's door. 11.15 at night. And all of a sudden, somebody yells from them, what do you want? I got some neighbors that came and friends that came and I ain't got nothing to feed them. I know you still got some of that pot roast that you were cooking the other day and I know you got some in the fridge. Could I borrow that from you? Look, we are already in bed. You're bound to have some. I got nothing. They'll make it till morning. Open up. 
I need that pot roast. I know you got it in the fridge. Give it to me. <sighs> Fine. If you ask for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? Even a, even a bat. And he uses another illustration here. He says, let me show it to you this way. Y'all are some sorry people. Every one of y'all. Me. Y'all are just sinful, sorry people. And even you, as bad as you are, if, if God, if your child says, can I, can I have some cereal? No. You just sit there and just be quiet. You don't need nothing. No, a good parent, even as bad as you are, is like, Pull this stuff down. I'll tell you what. Hey, can I have something to drink? No. Lick your lips. No. Let me get you something. If you being a sorry, bad person, and one of your children says, can I please have something? And you would get it for them. How much more then... God being good, how much more did He do for you? Look at the person beside God give you anything. Now that's the way it was always preached to me, right? God's good, so God would give you anything. He's going to give you the best. You knock on His door, beat down His door. God, I need, I need your help. I need you to... He says, next verse. Maybe my bad. Did I not give it to you? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God, your Heavenly Father, give good gifts to you? Isn't that what He says? Look at the person beside you and say, Happy Valentine's Day. God said, I'm going to give you my greatest gift. I'm going to give you the best I can give you. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the to those who... How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who... I need more of you, God. Go to bed. I, I need more. See, there's some of you in this room today that's like, I'm, I'm saved, Brother Lot. I have the Spirit in me. I know all that. I shouldn't still be struggling with these same sins that I'm struggling with. I know I'm saved. I shouldn't still be wrestling with all these same thoughts that I'm wrestling with. I know I'm saved. I shouldn't be dealing with the depression that I'm dealing with or the anxiety that I'm dealing with or the fear that I'm dealing with. 
And God says, have you opened your gift today? I give it to you every day. Because I love you, I have given you my spirit. And I'm not worried about how it comes out. I'm not worried about how it looks. Because like I said, when I read the Bible, I see so many different ways and so many different ways that he moves and the way he functions and the way he acts. But here's the one thing I do know is that your life will never be complete unless you seek Him. Because when you ask God, God, give me more of you, give me more. I know we sing those, God, give me more of you. What do you think you're asking for? His Spirit. God, help me. God, I don't know what to do. God, I feel lost. God, I'm struggling. God's gift every day on Valentine's to you is His Spirit. And of all the things I have learned, and I haven't got it all figured out, I don't know all the why He falls and why He moves and empowers and all this, I, I just live in it. One day he does one thing on my life, and next way he moves another way on my life. One day I can draw pictures, and he's giving me visions, and the next day he's moving me this way, and the next day. I don't understand all of it. I just know this, is that for whatever need I have in my life, his spirit is always the answer. Jesus said, i got to hurry up and get away. Why? Because I can send you my spirit. He says, you know how to give good gifts, don't you? Well, God does too. And He wants to give you His Spirit. And, and you don't have to sit here to, this morning and say, well, do I, is there some way that's going to happen? Or is it some... No. If my wife jumped up and started shouting and raising her hands, I'd have a heart attack. And I don't care. But here's what I do care about. That at four in the morning, when maybe God puts one of my kids on her heart, I need to know that He can talk to her. I need to know that she'll get up at four in the morning and be led by the Spirit. I, I need to know that the same Spirit that was in Jesus is residing in her. And He's moving and operating and using her life to do great things. That much I, I want. And I don't care how she moves or how she reacts or whether she jumps or whether she lays her head. I don't care. I just want the gift. I want my Valentine's gift. I want the best that God has for me. Will you stay it? If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I need that. I, 
I'm not supposed to be where I'm at right now. Thinking like I'm thinking. I need... I just... I just know that there's more. I just know that God has more. And I don't even know what it looked like. I don't even know how to describe. I don't... I just know there is. And maybe you're in this room and you hadn't been drunk in a while. Oh, you've you've been worrying plenty lately and you've been but you haven't been drunk in a while. You hadn't just got intoxicated on the spirit that pushes out all all that. In fact, the spirit works in a lot of the ways that alcohol does. When they always tell you, they say, liquid courage. Well, the Spirit works the same way. Where I was afraid when I'm full of the Spirit. I say like the Apostle Paul, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? I I don't fear anything. I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. There's some of you in this room, you need this moment more than you need anything. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what fears. I don't know what struggles. I don't know if it's your work or your life, your marriage, your kids. I don't know. But I know this much the Spirit does. And He says, if you're full of me, I'll lead you and I'll guide you and I'll direct you. And I got you. Even even if it comes to the rapture, just know the same spirit that raised Jesus. I'm in you. I'm going to raise you. But when's the last time you were intoxicated with just His presence? Intoxicated. When's the last time you beat on the door of God's throne and said, I need something. I need something. you're here today and that's you I'm not going to beg you I'm just, I'm just going to give you the opportunity you have to knock you have to seek he said he who knocks it will be open and whoever seeks will find but you have to do that part and nobody besides you can do it for you only you know in your spiritual walk where you are if you say pastor I need to knock. I need God to feel me. I need to become intoxicated in His presence with His Spirit again. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't care. I just want more. If that's you, then I, I just want you to just bail out from where you are. Find you a place. God's presence is here right now. But only you can pursue it. And if that's you, don't, don't complain when you walk out and say, Oh, God says, I had a cure. You had a moment. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor, that's me, then I open these altars for you. For you to have your moment where God can freshen and you feel you. Father, right now, For every person in this place. Holy Spirit, these are your kids. 
you live in them. And wherever they are right now, you know. And if they need more of you, then tug at them, please. Move on them, please. Fill them, please. Continually fill them so that they might fulfill what you called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, go give that devil fits.